Hello, and welcome to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast, recorded live weekly at our campus in Scottsdale, Arizona, during our normal service. and I'm excited to be uh, preaching with you this morning. Um, I have a confession to make. I have, well, I have a, a lot of weird paranoias, but one I'm going to admit to you right now. Um, I have this like weird paranoia, this weird fear about buying the wrong kind of uh, dish soap for washing my dishes. Um, what I mean by that is I'm always paranoid that I'm going to buy like the stuff that you meant to hand wash your dishes, but buy it for the dishwasher and vice versa. I think I get a little confused about like dishwashing soap. That could mean dishwasher or like hand washing dishes. And so whenever I'm like in the store reading the labels, things like that, I have to like triple check to make sure I'm, I'm reading the right thing because I understand that they're formulated differently. And if you put, you know, hand washing soap in your dishwasher and you turn it on, in about 10 minutes, you're going to have like bubbles all throughout your kitchen and you're going to have a bit of a disaster and spend the morning uh, cleaning up a bunch of bubbles. And the thing, like, I have this paranoia and then you'd probably be like, oh, did that happen to you at some point? Like, nope, that's literally never happened to me. But for some reason, I have this like thing where it's going to happen to me. So I'm very, very worried about that. And so when we misuse or misapply or misunderstand words, we can sometimes uh, run into trouble. Because words have uh, meaning, names are important. So if you pick the wrong kind of soap, it can be disastrous uh, for, for your day. That's kind of a silly example, but we're talking about the Ten Commandments this morning, and we're looking at number three, uh, the importance of honoring God's name. Uh, so we'll pray, uh, we'll dive in and explore what it means to uh, misuse, misapply, or misunderstand the name of God. So uh, please pray with me. Dear Lord, we are so thankful to be gathered here this morning. We are so thankful for uh, the, the truth of your word, the truth of your word when you gave it to the Israelites uh, at first, uh, the truth of their commandments throughout the ages, and the truth of them even for us today. So this morning, I pray that I would indeed be able to preach and proclaim your truth. If I say anything that's not of you, let that be forgotten. Uh, but ultimately, we pray that you'd be brought glory and honor this morning, and we'd better uh, be, be, let, be uh, better disciples uh, through your son, Jesus, as of, as of this process. Amen. All right, so as we begin to study this commandment, it's, it's good to get a sense of, like, you know, how do we translate uh, this one? Like, how do we translate in, 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 into English? Uh, if you're a fan of the King James, um, you've probably heard this. Uh, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Ooh, that's like very Shakespearean. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Um, we have NIV pew Bibles here, so you might be an NIV person. And it says that you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Um, in reading this passage earlier, I actually went with the common English Bible. I liked uh, what that version had to say. I, I liked how, what, how that one sounded. Uh, and it said in the common English Bible, uh, let me read that right here. It said, do not use the Lord your God's name as if it were no, of no significance. The Lord won't forgive anyone who uses his name in that way. 
And there are a lot of English translations of the Bible. We could look at another 20 or so, and they'd kind of all be in that general sphere of things. Uh, be careful about how you use the name of God. And as I've been here over the last few weeks, I've talked a lot about my theology as a child and how I understood things and how I've grown in that. So let's dive in and talk about how I understood this as a little boy. Um, and so my understanding as a young kid was that you were not supposed to use God's name as a curse word. And I'm going to guess that this is a kind of a, a popular level understanding of this commandment as well, that you shouldn't use God's name as a curse word. That if you're in a fit of rage, you drop something heavy on your toe, and you say the word God, or you say the word Jesus in the moment, but you're not saying it in prayer, uh, that this would be the breaking of the commandment. And so you're not addressing God in prayer, you're addressing God almost like using his name as uh, profanity. And we can extend that idea even further, like talk about like, like saying something like, oh my God, or OMG, or things like that. You can extend it even further and, and say like, goodness or geez or, you know, like all those little colloquial things that we say, you know, is, is it right or wrong to say these things? And I think that's like a very rudimentary understanding of taking God's name in vain, um, that you, you know, shouldn't use God's name as a, as a swear word. And to be, to be clear, I agree with that premise. I don't think that's a good thing to be doing. I don't think we should be using God's name outright as profanity. If someone cuts you off in traffic, um, it's, you know, if you find yourself you, wanting to use words like that, it's probably best to like maybe turn those things into a prayer, maybe for that person, maybe really for yourself versus just in anger uh, saying things like that. Uh, I also don't necessarily think this is like the direct, like, like the commandment directly teaches that per se. Um, like I'm not picturing the ancient Israelites going around and saying things like OMG that probably was not in, in, in the vernacular at that point. So I don't think it's directly related to that, but I think it is like has some indirect uh, relation as well. Uh, but as always, like we're talking about the Ten Commandments in a broad sense, um, and so like even if it if it does speak about that, like we won't, we don't want to just stop there and say like you know don't be using God's name as profanity. We want to expand upon that idea as well, talk about it for, uh, further, and talk about it as broadly as possible. And so I think in order for us to do that, in order for us to like just understand like okay, how do we go further with this? How do we take this deeper? Like what does that like what does that mean? We have to like talk about the idea of the name of the Lord your God. Uh, we have to talk about that um, because as, as we have names in our culture, we have names in our world, everything has a name. And so in, in our culture, the majority of us have a first, a middle, and a last name. Most of us here have probably that. Maybe you have two middle names, maybe you have a hyphenated last name, things like that, but we all have names. And when you meet someone Pretty much the first thing you do is you, you say like, hi, my name is so-and-so, and then you, you shake hands. Uh, in a pre-COVID world, that's what you do. Now we do fist bumps or we say, hi, it's nice to meet you through a computer screen. Uh, but like when, you re when you're meeting someone for the first time, when you're encountering someone for the first time, we reveal something about ourselves. We reveal our name to that, to that individual. And our, and our modern culture um, doesn't necessarily have a consensus for how we pick names. Uh, we all value the importance of names. We all like names, but we vary in how we go about like deciding names and picking names. Um, some parents-to-be, they spend a lot of time like researching names, put a lot, of, a lot of energy into that. And for others, it's a simple like, I just like that name, or like, oh, like that was my dad's name. Like sometimes it's just a simple like kind of a thing. 
Uh, family names remain uh, a very popular way to pick things. Um, it might be something that you deeply care about, like you really like sports a lot. Uh, so you might name your, your child after a famous sports person. You know, maybe you really like nature a lot. So your child has like a, like, a name like branch or tree or you know, stream or something like that. Uh, you're a big fan of history. So you end up you're naming your kid like Napoleon or you know, some famous name. Uh, the, the Bible uh, it, it remains a, a popular way to pick names. That's still something we use uh, in our world today. Uh, technically, I go by John, but technically my name is Jonathan. That's my full name. And my parents did actually name me after King David's best friend in the Bible, uh, Jonathan. And I'm okay with that. Like, uh, he's, a, he's a good guy. If you've never read about Jonathan and David, a couple chapters, read it. Good guy. Not a bad guy to be named after. Uh, but there are certain names, if you, if you read the, the Bible, read the stories there within, there are certain names you might want to avoid. Uh, Jezebel is a name you would not want to name your daughter um, if you're flipping through the pages of the Bible. Uh, Jezebel is a queen who led the people into idolatry, murdered a bunch of prophets, and then was trampled by horses, and her corpse was eaten by dogs. That's the general story of Jezebel in the Bible. Now, to be clear, there are people in the world named Jezebel, but they probably weren't, uh, that was not the inspiration uh, for their name. Um, even if, if you aren't named after someone specifically, even if it is kind of like, a, like a just, I like the, name, the way that name sounded, parents try to be thoughtful in, in, in what they name their ch children because it's something you're stuck with uh, for life. You know, you want the name to sound nice. You want the name to suit that person. Um, you want uh, to, them to have like just a good life with that name. You don't want like kids to be picking on them like at, in the schoolyard, you know, things like that. Um, and, you know, when someone announces that they're pregnant, Generally, one of the first questions is, you know, do you know what you're having and do you know what the name is going to be? And will you share that with me right now? Because we are very curious as people. And uh, normally that's why we use, you know, uh, family names and names from the Bible and other such conventions and naming our, our, our offspring. Uh, we, we want our children to embody the characteristics of who they're named after. Uh, so, for instance, if you like, kind of look at, you can go online and study names. There's all this information that's out there. You can see trends, things like that. It is fascinating. Um, there are some names that have faded away. We don't really use those names anymore. Um, for instance, after about the 1930s or 40s, uh, Adolf stopped being a name that people named their children because Adolf was a kind of a guy that was linked with the atrocities of World War II, and we decided, you know what, like we're just probably not going to pick that name any anymore. And so that's a little bit about kind of like how we kind of as a society right now in modern day like go about names. Like there's, there's, like there's intentionality there, but we're also kind of loose with our rules as well. Um, but the idea of in the ancient world, it's a little bit different. Um, in the ancient world, your name like was often like embodied who you were as, as, a, as a human. Um, they, they put a lot more weight on their names than we do uh, in, in the modern day. Uh, your name would often represent who you were. It was almost like a foreshadowing maybe of, of, of your story. Uh, your name represented your value and your character. Your name signified your essence. And so often when we're introduced to somebody in the Bible, um, in the Hebrew scriptures, there's, there's a little footnote at the bottom letting us know like, hey, this is their name. But if you look at the bottom, you see like, oh, this is what their name means. And often it clues you into like maybe some details about them or some details about where their story is going. And so here's just like a few of uh, names. I kind of put it small up there. But for instance, uh, Jacob and Esau. Esau means hairy because he was a very hairy guy, and that played into the story and like things that that things that would uh, happen uh, there within. Um, so even with my own name, uh, Jonathan, um, the underlying Hebrew meaning is gift of God or given by God. 
that, and that's nice. So if you know a Jonathan, like that's what their name means, whether they, they know it or not. Well, so not only are there characters in Scripture and they have names, uh, God has a name as well. Uh, we see God's name in Scripture as well. Um, earlier on in the book of Exodus, uh, when Moses first encounters God in, in, in the uh, burning bush, Moses asks God, like, like, who are you? What is your name? And the name that uh, Moses has given is Yahweh. And there's the, there's the Hebrew letters up on the screen, which means I am who I am. And there's this the deep, rich, like, theology in this name. I am who I am. It's, this points to the everlasting nature of God, a God who has always been, who has no source of existence, who has called everything into being, uh, the God who is named Yahweh, I am who I am. And this is the same God that has appeared to numerous people before, to, to Adam, to Noah, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and now has been revealed to Moses and the Israelites. Uh, this is the God whom the Israelites are putting their faith in. This is the God that the Israelites are entering into a covenant with, a special agreement with. They're promising to make this God uh, their king and to live by God's rules and decrees. Uh, they are to put this God first in their lives. They are to put their faith and their trust into this God uh, and into, into God's ways. And this was the basic embodiment of the first two commandments. We're not going to have any other gods. We're not going to have any idols. Like, we're going to trust you and kind of, like, live for you. And they were to be a holy people. They were to be set apart through their new community. And through this, through their actions, through their living, through their sacrifices, through all the things that they were supposed to be doing, they were supposed to be like a light to the nations around them. They were supposed to be a set-apart people who lived differently, and like when people would see them, they'd be like, oh, there's something different about you. And all of this was done to show like who the nature and character of Yahweh was, like the creator God who is above all things. And so that was kind of the whole point of their existence, the whole point of the covenant, the whole point of them being called together as a community to make God's name known among the nations. And so through the Israelites, like just their lives, through their actions, uh, through their words, they were supposed to show God to the world. They were supposed to be showing Yahweh to the world. Their lives, their community was to be a testimony to God. They were to show Yahweh to everyone around them. And they're there to show the character and the essence of God to the world by being God's representatives, by being God's ambassadors to the nations, just through like their holy living as a people. That's, that's what it was all about. And so the basic objective of just this idea of like not taking the Lord's name in vain, the fundamental idea behind the third commandment was to, the call to take this part of being the kingdom of God very seriously. It was a call to like really like reflect that, to live that out each and every day, asking yourselves like, am I taking God's name in vain through like what, what I'm doing today? And so as ambassadors and citizens of this kingdom, the Israelites, they represent God to the world and they are to speak and act in the world as if God was speaking and acting in the world through them. And so a failure to do this, a failure to live up to this uh, was taking God's name in vain. Uh, so to fall short in this endeavor uh, was misusing God's name. And so really the third commandment is a call to um, not slander God. So don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't slander God. No one likes to be slandered. No one likes to have negative, untrue things said about them. 
You know, if you were describing me to someone who's never met me before and you went on and on about how much I loved golf and how I like spend, it's gr I think it's great and spend all my time and money and energy on golf related things, this would fundamentally be untrue because I know nothing about golf. Golf has no meaning and value in my life whatsoever. And so um, I have zero desire for it to have any impact upon my life. And so if you're talking about me with someone, don't tell people I like golf because that would fundamentally uh, be untrue. And that's a silly example. Um, but like I said, none of us like to be misrepresented in like how we are like shown and talked about in the world. And so just as humans don't like to be misrepresented about like wrongly or unfairly, neither does God. Uh, God does not like to be misrepresented in the world. And that's what the third commandment is, is really all about. You know, and if we read the story of Israel, like they were just, they had this remarkable thing in front of them. They had this like golden ticket. They like knew God on this unique level, unlike any of, of the nations of the day. God was like, just like real and present and like in their community. And they had uh, people like uh, Moses and Joshua like leading them. They, they later had the good kings like David and Solomon. Later when they had bad kings, they had good prophets rise up like Elijah and Isaiah and Daniel speaking on behalf of God. And so Israel had this like unique and amazing access to God. As we read their story, we just see them taking God's name in vain again and again and again through their idolatry and through all just doing their own thing and going about life their own way. And so they were misusing God's name through their idolatry, through their rejection of the law. As they mixed their religion in with other gods and other idols, they were taking God's name in vain through that. Uh, we talked about the second commandment last week, that of, of, of not making idols. And that leads into the third commandment of, of, of taking God's name in vain. And so when you try to make Yahweh into an idol, when you try to like carve a tree down and, and say like, this is God, you're putting your faith in a, in a physical object. And thus you take God's name in vain by saying like, God is summed up in this block of wood. And that's just so untrue. Like, so just, that's not even remotely like close to how it is. And so I think with commandment number one and number two, like no other gods, don't make idols, there, there's a connection with those two. But then with, I think with the second and third one as well, like don't make idols. And when you make idols, you're taking God's name in vain. So I think the, the commandments, they stand on their own, but there's like kind of a, like a, like a ebb and a flow. They kind of like meld into each other as well, which is, which is very interesting, very beautiful. And so God does not want us to take God's name in vain. God's, God doesn't want God's name to be misrepresented. And so now we're at the part in the sermon where we're like, okay, what does this mean for us today? Like, how do we expand our understanding of this? Like, like, like how does Jesus calling us into a world of like not taking God's name in vain? Let's, let's talk about this like for, like for us today. Israel kind of failed in this endeavor. Let's be successful. Let's live this commandment out. So we're gonna highlight three different points, three different ways we can like not take God's name in vain. So the first one is this. Be very cautious when faith is used as a marketing tool. Uh, the word Christian works best as a noun in describing a person, and it rarely works well as an adjective. I really want to say it never works as an adjective, but I'm gonna like we're gonna talk a little bit about some um, uh, we're gonna talk about some nuance there. Uh, but Christian works best as a noun describing a person, and rarely well as an adjective describing a thing or a concept. Uh, people are Christians, things ra rarely are. And it can get real tricky and real sticky and real complicated when we start labeling inanimate objects or things as Christian. Now, 
There are exceptions to this. Again, we're getting, getting into the nuance. I think there, there are lots of ministries that exist in the world. There's lots of like good works endeavors. Like Heifer International is like this great like thing that like they're, they're probably a, like, a nonprofit, but like operating under a faith-based perspective. There's camps, schools, things like that that do exist that we label them as, as, as Christian. Um, I went to a liberal arts college that was very much like a Christian school as well but it was also an academic institution. I have a Bachelor of Arts through an accredited school that labeled itself as Christian. I mean, it was through the lens of a faith perspective, but as a school, that doesn't just give them to right, the right to just do whatever they felt like doing. You know, if they just one day were like, we're gonna fire all the tenured professors to save some money and bring in a bunch of new people, like that is not a very, I think, God-honoring thing to do, and I would have had you know, trouble with that. And so like, like, it gets a little sticky when like, again, you label things as Christian. And so there, there's often this like tendency for Christians to like to create their own Christianized or sanitized versions of things versus trying to be salt and light in their own contexts. And if something is labeled as Christian, it does not automatically make it so. And it, it also doesn't mean that it's, it's better or perfect or, or should be free from criticism. In fact, often these things I think should be criticized or like talked about or just like, you know, like we should be, we should be able to like do that. Um, there's a lot of cheesy and bad art and merchandising that's often trying to make a buck from the name of Jesus. And uh, I think we can be called to good and higher standards and, and try not to settle for, for mediocrity. And we all have our tastes. We all have our things that we like. And so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to be a little cautious here because I don't want to call out specifics because there's some things I'm like, this is this amazing thing. And you'd be like, that is not amazing. That's pretty, that's pretty cheesy. And, you know, it kind of goes uh, both ways. But so, but I, at the same time, I hope we, we can start to recognize when, when religion is peddled in order to gain a sale versus a person of faith trying to produce something that, that is Christ-honoring. Um, do we really need a Christian breakfast cereal, or do we need people of faith in the cereal industry trying to make it better? There is no Christian breakfast cereal. I spend a lot of time Googling it, so that's not a thing, so I'll pick on that. So do we need a Christian breakfast cereal versus, like, Christians in the breakfast cereal industry trying to make it better? And so that's sort of the first point. Be very careful, careful of, uh, of like the marketing of faith. Be very, very, tread lightly there. Uh, the second one is this, that like Israel, uh, this is a call to, uh, take, to take our faith seriously. We are called to be salt and light in the world and in our own contexts. We are called to do this as a global church, as a denomination, as a local church, as an individual believer. Like, I think we are God's ambassadors on many different levels. And so if you claim an allegiance to Christ, you are God's ambassador to the world. If you claim allegiance to Christ, you are God's ambassador in the world. If you, if you study the, like, the term Christian, uh, the first time it comes up is in the book of Acts. It's actually seen as a derogatory term. People are like, oh, there's Christians. And that meant little Christ. So it was actually like this negative thing at first. It's become a, hopefully a positive thing. Uh, but we are to be like Christ and act like Christ in the world. So you as a person, you as an individual, doing your thing, living your life, going to your job, interacting with your Starbucks barista, all those things that you're doing in the world, you may be the only Bible that somebody reads. You may be the only Jesus that somebody encounters. You may be the only representative of God that someone meets in a very long time. And so I think it's a call to like take that faith seriously, especially when we're engaged in the public. And so I think the third commandment is just to very be like very thoughtful about like 
how we live our lives, how we go about things, how we interact with the world. And it's a, it's a call to be an, an accurate version of the Bible, an accurate version of Jesus, an accurate representation of God. Um, at my former job that I just came from, I worked in customer service, and it was interesting because like, I was kind of like a representation of the brand. And what I mean by that is like, I was paid to like, talk about the brand. I could represent the brand. If you called in, I could answer questions for you. I could help with issues. I could help process a warranty claim. I could help with the return. Like, I had the authority to do that. They wanted me to do that. But my authority was limited in that I couldn't speak about certain things. Um, I couldn't talk about business decisions. If, an, if a magazine called to like interview us, like it was not my responsibility or place to speak on behalf of the company like that. I had, would have to pass that along to our PR team. There isn't that separation with faith. There isn't this separation like we're all ambassadors here. And so if people know that you publicly profess faith, then, then I think following this commandment is a call to take discipleship seriously in all aspects of our lives. I don't like what I'm about to say. Oh man, you guys ready for this? Do you know the shift that most restaurant servers dread more than any other shift of the week? I think Jim said it, Sunday brunch. Yes, I spent a lot of time reading articles on message boards this week. I'm sure you get different answers to this, but there seemed to be a very common trend that the lunch hour on Sunday, right as all the churches are getting off, like are this is the kind of like the hour of the day that most servers end up hating in the restaurant industry. Spent a lot of time again reading about this because one, there's just a sheer rush of customers, sure, but they're often rude, often demanding, often just like like don't interact with people like in a normal way, often tip poorly. It was not good. I read a lot of negative things about that. And so we are called to be Christ-like in all areas of our lives, in our homes, at work, while driving, at restaurants, etc. Even on social media, I was like, ooh, we could probably give a very long sermon about like how to be like a Christian in the social media world. And so may we have eyes to see areas where we aren't being Christ-like and, and seek to follow Christ in those endeavors. Third point, is this. Uh, this commandment should give us incredible caution when we, we speak on or behalf of God, matters of faith, etc. These points kind of all blend together, so it's kind of like uh, taking the second point and kind of going with it in a slightly different direction. And so this, this commandment should make us pause when we talk about God, talk about God's work in the world, God's work in our lives. I fully 100% believe that God is active in the world today, active in our church, active in us as individuals. Something I believe very wholeheartedly. If I didn't believe that, I would not be up here speaking to you right now. Uh, but but there's a, it can be a danger when we want to speak on behalf of God when God hasn't spoken into that area. Uh, there's a very danger for myself or anyone who preaches or pub publicly speaks about God on a professional level. That, that's certainly a thing. Um, and the commandment actually comes with a, with a warning. In the, in the latter half of verse 7, it says that the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And so there's this, almost this open-ended warning in this commandment. God will hold you guilty for misusing the name of God. Now, it doesn't say what that is, um, but as you read the rest of the law, false prophets could be put to death. So, whew. And so, uh, you know, as your pastor, I certainly want there to be a level of trust that I'm, you know, seeking to understand God and the Bible and how it applies to our lives. Obviously, I want that to be true. Uh, but at the same time, like, you know, like, I do not want you to passively accept everything I'm always saying all the time. You know, be critically thinking about, like, 
all things in all areas of your lives. And so if, you're, if I say something you don't agree with or you find troubling or you have questions about, like, let's dialogue, let, let's talk about it. You know, you are allowed to do that. And so I think this is a call to, like, just have critical thinking in just all areas of our lives, especially when, when faith is at stake. You know, if we're not living up to Scripture, if we're not living up to the commands of Christ and loving God and loving neighbor, then we're guilty of misusing and taking God's name in vain. We're guilty of breaking the third commandment. And again, I would extend this call to really anyone you listen to, anyone you follow, any person of faith you look up to, like an author, a musician, etc. I hope you're not always instantly agreeing with everything they have to say. And so getting back to the idea of speaking where God has not spoken. Um, there isn't a, there's this danger that when you represent God, you, you can speak to where God has not spoken. Like an extreme example would be like that self-proclaimed prophet who says that some sort of natural disaster was God's wrath because of some sort of depravity. You know, that could be the case. We see God doing things in the Bible when, when people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. It could also be the case that, you know what, these people live in an area where there's tornadoes and there was a tornado. They live in an area where there's hurricanes, there was a hurricane. And so I struggle with understanding often how you know, God is speaking to me in everyday life, and I would venture to guess I'm not alone in this. So, it's, so when I see like, claims like that, it just, oof, we get into this like, arrogance about that. Um, with, the, with the anniversary of September 11th, uh, you know, kind of in the news, kind of watching old clips about when it happened, and just certain faith leaders got up there and said things, and I'm just like, oh, like, I don't know if that's true, man. Like, that just, oh, man, that just, oof. And so whenever you hear someone invoke God in their speech, uh, there's a sense, I think, that we should be using caution and accepting everything they say at face value. Jesus has some very harsh words for false prophets in Matthew 7, where he calls those speaking uh, to where God hasn't spoken as wolves in sheep's clothing. And that's a very, I love the image because it's so dangerous. The image of a, a wolf, like this predator, mixed in with like, you know, gentle, meek and mild sheep and they can't recognize the wolf. Like, that's just a very, very powerful image of just the danger of like, taking God's name in vain. And Jesus goes on, he talks about, like, you know, if you're not sure, like, maybe you're not sure, is this a wolf in sheep's clothing? He talks about like, uh, looking at the fruit of something and seeing if the fruit is good or bad. And so maybe like an indicator, like if you're, looking, if you're looking up to someone and maybe you, you trust their opinion on things, like, look to some of the fruit they're producing. If they seem to always be at an unhealthy place, maybe that's a sign, like, maybe you're not speaking on behalf of God. And so the wolf in sheep's clothing is just a good reminder about the dangers of taking the Lord's name in vain. It's a good reminder for a call to be vigilant with ourselves and not just saying, like, these flippant things on behalf of God and, and be watchful against others who may be doing that as well. And so let's not just be, like, flippant in our words about how we speak to God in these areas where God has not spoken. And so my friends, let us follow the Ten Commandments as followers of Jesus, and let us daily like, learn not to take, what it means to not take the Lord's name in vain. Thank you for listening to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast. If you have any questions or are interested in finding out more about our church, feel free to reach out to us at any time. Our contact information is provided at www.pbcob.org.